Christmas time, as most of you know, is what I am about. I like Christmas. I like all things Christmas. I like Jesus. I like Santa. I like everything. All right? And you can tell me that Santa is only a little bit different than Satan all you want. I like Santa. <laughs> Don't like Satan. I want to make that clear. Don't like Satan. All right, so uh, we are going to be reading in uh, Luke chapter 2. So if you guys want to turn there, while you turn there, I have a little Christmas goodie. I like these kinds of things. Some of you guys may have heard this, but uh, I like to read this out just for you guys' information. If you're curious and if you're a guy or a girl that likes to do present giving during the month of December, then you definitely have heard of doing the 12 days of Christmas and actually purchasing all of the gifts and giving them to the people who you love or the person that you love. We'll find out in a minute why you don't want to do people multiple. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that people have done the statistics and done the numbers uh, to figure out how much that would actually cost you if you were going to do the 12 days of Christmas. And so uh, this week starts uh, the 12 days of Christmas here on the 13th. Uh, will be, I think, Friday, Thursday. It's a day in the week, something. Um, and so if you would like to start, here's what it's going to cost you. And I did convert this into Canadian dollars because originally it was in American dollars, and that just doesn't, I mean, it, it's like millions. Okay, so uh, one partridge in a pear tree costs roughly $291.80. Uh, that includes the pear tree, just in case you're wondering. Uh, two turtle doves uh, is $497.09. Apparently those things are very valuable. Who knew? Uh, three French hens, or Cornish game hens is what we would call them probably, uh, roughly $240.59. Four calling birds, $795.30. Uh, five golden rings, obviously the big one if you're buying uh, jewelry, uh, $795.30. Well, you'd think the big one, it's really not. Um, sorry, five gold rings is $994.19. Six geese a laying is $516.98. Seven swans a swimming, and I don't know where they're getting their swans. Uh, the article did say, but this is ridiculous. Uh, $17,398. Uh, so you're paying a lot of money for swans. Eight maids a milking is based on the federal minimum wage, so what you would get for an hour of, uh, and that's $76.88. <laughs> Uh, nine ladies dancing, they called it for the dancing people, they called a, a, a dancing academy in Philadelphia and asked them how much it would be to have these people come and dance for them. Uh, nine ladies would be $10,011.93. Uh, $10, Ten lords a leaping, now you get one more, but there's a big difference, uh, $13,255.85. Eleven Pipers Piping, again, they called a drum and bugle corps and uh, figured out how many uh, flute players it would, or they could get. Um, $3,717.47. And then finally, 12 drummers drumming, which uh, being a drummer, I definitely charge this much, uh, $4,027.26. So if you're buying all of the gifts on the lift list just once, uh, is $51,823.65. But we all know that it's not just once, because you're talking 12 partridges in a pear tree at, at the end of the day. So if you're to do it truthfully, and every day give these gifts, 
Your grand total is $226,157.35. So if you'd like to do that for me, I would request the cash. Uh, I, don't, I don't need a bunch of birds running around. It's just not interesting. And, and I'm not, I, I like chicken, but it's not the best meat. Like, it's, it's good, but it's not great. Um, okay, so if you've turned in your Bible, sorry, I enjoy those things, and guess what? Next week you'll get another one. But uh, I enjoy those kinds of things, and it's interesting to me. Um, just a little lightheartedness before we get into our uh, teaching. But if you're in chap- uh, chapter 2 of the book of Luke, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 8. Uh, I know your bulletins say verse 9, but I just figured just for the full context, we'll just do verse 8 too. Nothing going to be taught about it, but just to read it. So once you guys are there, if you guys would stand with me, we uh, like to show respect for God's Word by standing uh, for the reading of His Word. And let's read uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you sent your Son to this earth. Lord, thank you that we have this time of of holiday cheer and all these nonsense uh, sayings that we say, Lord, but to remember that you are the reason why we celebrate, Lord, makes this all worth it. I pray that we would take a minute now and really breathe, that we would step back from the busyness of not just the holidays, but the busyness of life, and that, God, we would understand that you have important words to say to us. Lord, I pray that you would guide our time, that you would be here in this room, that you would pour out your spirit, and, Lord, that we would be refreshed by what has to be said today. We love you so much, and we thank you in your name. Amen. So today's sermon is called Peace, or the God of Peace, if you're in my notes, which I know all of you got the copy, I'm sure. Um, But the God of Peace is interesting because there's questions that this world, we have to answer, and and they're important questions, and they go along the lines of this. If you're you're a non-Christian, and you might be in this room, if if you don't follow Jesus and you haven't your whole life, then you might have had these questions in your life at some point. And the first one is, does God really offer us peace? Um, Secondly, you might ask, is God really a God of peace? And and you might also, even along with that, ask, what is peace? Because a lot of times, guys, Peace is the thing that we write in script on our wall above our toilet, which is weird to me, but um, we, we put these things, faith, hope, and love on our wall, and we put these sayings of peace, joy, and whatever else, and love on our wall. Do we really know what those things mean? Or are we just like hoping that having them on our wall will some, some way, somehow, like, oh, through, through you know, um, just osmosis, we, we have those three things. 
And guys, I, I don't think that we actually understand fully what peace is when we ask these questions. And these questions are common in our lives, and sometimes because we don't know the answer to them, we try and make up the answer. Because we have it in our head of what should be. Well, I think peace is this. Or I think that joy is this. Or I, I really think that love is, and you guys get the idea, we define what we think they are and we don't really go to the source of what it really is. And so we have to slow down and actually understand what is peace to us. Now, there are a lot of people in this world, and it's a big theological argument, and I'm not going to, I'm going to really try not to get into it, um, because it's apologetics and we don't have like five hours and I'm not prepared for it. But guys, there are a lot of people that say, well, God cannot be a peaceful God because of evil. God cannot be a loving God because look at what happens in our lives. Bad things happen all the time in our lives. And so it's impossible that God could be a God of love because look at what he did to me. Or look at what he did to my family. Or look at what he's doing to you. And so we define it as, well, it's impossible that God can be a God of peace, so peace is a happy thought. Well, is God a God of peace? The thing is, is the problem of evil, as many of you guys, if you've studied any kind of apologetics, know that's what the, the saying is, is the problem of evil and God. Because they're saying, well, God is a perfect God, so if he's a perfect God and he knows all things, then how could he be a good God if he creates evil? If he allows bad things to happen, how can God be good and loving and kind and peaceful and all these other things? And what they're not taking into account is we have free choice. And in the garden, Adam chose to sin against God. Adam chose to take the umbrella of protection away. And therefore, in doing that, he chose for all of us to do that. And so, again, I don't want to get into that in full. You guys can ask me questions about it later. I really enjoy these kinds of things. But guys, we have free will, and the choice of sin in our lives, which all of us in this room are sinners. If you disagree, then um, there's a lot of Bible verses that talk about you. Um, but guys, we are all sinners in this room, and the penalty of sin is death. That's what it is. And so we say, well, why would God allow this to do? Hang on, the penalty of sin is death. Like, a lot of death is in this world. And, and it can be not just death of physical human life, it can be death of emotions, death of, of hopes and dreams and all these other things. And guys, there are consequences to our sin, and yet we think that God owes us something. We, there's a great line, if you guys listen to the rapper, uh, and I'm not going uh, to promote him necessarily right now, but there's a Christian rapper called NF, and he's not really a Christian rapper, he is a rapper who is Christian, and there's a great line in one of his songs that says, we shake our fists at God and tell him to do his job, because we expect him to bless us. If God is good, then I better get everything that I want. If God is good, then I better never have a hiccup in my life. If God is really good, then guess what? My life had better be good. Hang on a second, guys. When did you guys earn the right to be God? When did we earn this right to expect something out of the creator of the universe and treat him like a genie in the bottle, expecting him to do for me what I would do for me? I am not God. 
and I hate to break it to you, and if this bursts your bubble, I really am sorry, but it needed to be said, you are not God. And, and so we don't have that ability to tell him how we should be peaceful or how, how he should show us peace. We have the misconception that God owes them a peace. People have a misconception that God owes them a peaceful life, but it's just not the truth. If you guys turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, or if you guys are a millennial, you can scroll in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Genesis means beginning, so that should give you a hint as to where the book of Genesis is um, in your Bible. And in verse 14, and I'm just going to read this, and you guys tell me what we deserve, what God, uh, what God says we deserve. Starting in verse 14, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, and this is after uh, man had eaten the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, He says to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, speaking of Jesus, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return." Does that sound peaceful? Did we earn peace in the garden? God is pretty clear there that we earned a lot of things, but none of them sound good to me. Now you're going to be working. Childbirth will be painful. Things will go south, guys. But here's the thing. is In that same scripture, God offers the hope that we have, the peace that we have, the way out, the escape route. But here's the thing is peace is not a right. It's a gift. And that's important. We don't deserve peace. God is very clear in these, in these verses that we deserve <laughs> suffering and pain and all these things because we've earned it. That which you Anybody? Reap? Sow? Sorry, that's what you sow, you shall also reap? Sorry, you guys are all farmers. I'm not a farmer. You guys can know the difference. God had every right to leave man at that point. God had every right to say, I'm done with you. He had every right, get this, he had every right to declare war on us. Because we disobeyed a perfect being. We sinned against a perfect being. And guess what? He didn't. I mean, he may not be super peaceful, and we read in the Old Testament a lot of stories about, you know, so-and-so lopped off the head of such-and-such, and, and, you know, there's a lot of blood and awesomeness in the Old Testament. Like, they need to make, like, 
10 cool movies that are just rated R out of the Old Testament, because that would be some awesome things with what we have in Hollywood nowadays. But here's the thing, is God didn't declare war on us. He chose to send his son because he is a God of peace. He decided to make a way for us. And that way was through Jesus Christ. He provided his son and he sent Jesus to reestablish the peaceful connection between God and man. To restart that. John 3.16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We can say it backwards and forwards. Okay, I can't say that backwards. I'll be honest. But we can say that in our sleep. But do we believe it? Do we live our life as though God is a God of peace? Do we live our life as though God is a God who we were at war with? Really quickly, if you guys are still in your Bibles, turn to Romans uh, chapter 5. I'm sorry I'm, I'm making you guys flip through your Bibles today. I hope that I don't have to apologize that being in a church and all. But uh, we're going to go in Romans chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 6. And it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners means that we were actively against God. And he still chose to die for us. There was nothing that anyone had done in the history of man or anyone would have done in the history of man to earn what God was doing for us. That night that Jesus Christ came and was born changed the world. And I love it because these verses give us the encouragement that God has a desire for us to live peaceably with him, to experience his peace and his comfort and his rest. God doesn't want to just throw us to the wind and say, good luck, bucko, have fun. He doesn't do that. And yes, does that mean that we still go through hard times? Of course it does. But here's the thing is we have hope. We have light at the end of the tunnel because we're not just dead in our sins. Jesus Christ came to this world specifically to die on the cross so that we wouldn't have to, to forgive the sins of men, all sins of men, past, present, and future, so that we can live in harmony with him for eternity. Isaiah 53.5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that what? That brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. His sacrifice on the cross is what brings us the hope that we have. His sacrifice on the cross is the reason why I didn't kill myself a long time ago. His sacrifice is on the cross is the reason that why when bad things happen, when things seem like it's the darkest, when it's so miserable in my life, I can look to him and say, God, you are still good and you know why I'm going through this. And I'm gonna make it through. I'm gonna make it through. And here's the thing, is if I don't, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you guys watch VeggieTales, it's Rakshak and Benny, um, just like they said, throw us into the fire, and you know what? Our God is good enough that he will save us. And if he doesn't, we will burn. 
And that's okay, because at the end of that burning, at the end of that suffering, at the end of that trial, I will wake up in the presence of Jesus Christ. I will wake up in the presence of God. And that's my hope. No one can take away my hope. Do what you want. Throw what curveball you want to throw at me. Jesus Christ is still God. And he still came to save me who didn't deserve it. In dying on the cross, Jesus has made it so that we do not suffer for no reason. Romans 8.28, he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Ah, yeah, I'm going to slug you in the face because you don't know what I'm going through. Guys, I don't know what you're going through. But if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, then whatever you're going through is not going to take away your peace. It doesn't have to unless you let it. All things working together for the good is, again, an encouraging. Even in the hardest parts of our life, God has a plan to grow us and to see us come closer to him. It's his desire that every situation that you go through right now, even though I don't understand what kind of peace I have, I get it. You don't understand how there can be peace in this storm. You don't get how there can be peace in this struggle. You don't get how there can be peace in death. But his plan is that through that, you grow closer to him. And what is our tendency? Our tendency is to push him away. Our tendency is to say, things are hard right now, let me figure this out and I'll come back to you when things are good again. Like that's how we live our lives, is we keep God at this, at this arm's length. And we do it with people too, right? We're really good at that. Like, no, I'm going to keep you out here on the outer side of my circle and you don't really need to know what's going on in here because, look, for whatever reason, we do that because I don't trust you or I don't feel like I can say this without shedding a manly tear or whatever it may be. We keep people at arm's length and we do the same thing to God. God, let me figure this out. I get that everything is going to crap and I get that you're the only one that can fix it, but I'm going to try my best to change things. I shouldn't say crap from the stage. I'm sorry. I apologize to anybody who's offended by that. Guys, we keep him at arm's length and we expect him to bless us still. It's like, no, God, I don't want you to actually search my heart and know me, but please fix this. Like, fix it the way I want it to be fixed. Make it better. <laughs> and we think that God, again, is our genie who we can just tell what to do and how to do it, and now I am at peace. Now you are a God of peace because you did what I wanted you to do. Is God is God? God? God, comma, God? No, is God God? Yeah, I don't know. You guys can figure out how that sentence works. But here's the thing. If God is really truthfully God, if you say, Lord, Jesus says it, why do you call me Lord? Why do we call him God? Is he really God? Can he really do all of these things that we keep him at arm's length, but can he really fix us? Can he really bless us? Can he really take the hurt and the pain and deal with it so that we can go on worshiping him? Is he still worthy of our worship? These are all questions that we should be asking really on a daily basis because otherwise our faith becomes fake. Our faith doesn't become faith. Our faith becomes motions. Our faith becomes traditions. Our faith becomes habits. Understand that God wants more of you 
Psalm 91 is one of my favorite psalms in the entire Bible. It's an amazing psalm of how God keeps those who abide in him in peace and protection. Look, this is the first verse of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Where do you guys want to be? Because if you want to experience peace, you'd best be abiding in Christ. Because then you will experience what it's like to live in the shadow of the Almighty. When we abide in Him, we experience His protection. We experience His peace. Again, I'm not telling you, and do not confuse this, because I don't want anybody telling you that I'm a prosperity kind of gospel guy. I am not. This does not mean that just because you love Jesus or that you abide in Him, that everything will be happy. Big difference between joy and happy. Huge difference between joyfulness and happiness. And it's important that we learn that difference. Because we can be going through life's most miserable days and still experience joy. We can be walking through the darkest times of our life and still experience the peace of God. It's what the Bible calls peace that surpasses what? Understanding. I don't care if you guys get why I'm peaceful. No one needs to, I mean, here's the thing, is Jesus Christ is the only reason why I have peace in my life. Jesus Christ is the only reason why I experience joyfulness. I am not, I have what they call permafrown. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Um, where like I just, when I stand still, I'm, and people are like, oh, smile, Jesus died for your sins. And it's like, you're right, he did. And I am thrilled to death that he did. I don't wear it here. So you won't always be able to tell that I am being joyful. I wear my joy here, and my family is able to tell. My, the people who I spend literally hours of my day with tell that I am joyful. But here's the thing, guys, is your attitude, my attitude, should not affect whether or not we have joy and peace in our life. And it definitely, whether you like it or not, and whether you believe it or not, it definitely doesn't change God. Me going through those times of pain and sorrow and suffering does not change God. And what an awesome thing that it doesn't change God, because it doesn't matter. He is not fickle. God is God. He is all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, and we can trust him. We don't have to keep him at arm's length. We can let him in. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Do you guys want to experience peace? Not just peace, perfect peace. Abide in the Lord and trust Him with your problems. Trust Him with the pain. Trust Him with the hurt. And a lot of you guys are again saying, but you don't know my childhood. You don't know what I went through to not trust people. Why would I trust a God that put me through that? He put you through that because He knew that you were strong enough to handle it and that you could grow closer to Him through it. 
Some of you guys know that my wife was abused uh, as, a, as a teenager, um, sexually speaking. Um, not everybody knows that, so I guess everybody does now. <laughs> Sorry, Jackie. Um, guys, she went through that, and, and I went through that with her. And there were a lot of times where people were like, how do, you, how do you even reconcile that? That God would allow her to go through that. That God would allow you guys to go through that situation. Guys, I can honestly stand before you right now and tell you I don't always know why we went through that pain and why we went through that suffering and why we went through all that nonsense because we still go through that pain and suffering and nonsense to this day. And I don't know why all the time, but I can tell you this, we've had multiple people come into our lives where we have been able to relate, to sympathize and empathize with them, to walk them through their struggles that they're going through. God doesn't just throw us in and say, oh, I'm going to get you with this one. If you're going through a trial right now, if you're experiencing something hard right now, let me encourage you by saying there's a reason for this. What that reason is, I don't know. But there is a reason, and God knows why it is. And if you trust in him, then your mind can be kept at perfect peace. I'm going to tell you a story about maybe the most peaceful person I know. And it's, I'm not going to use his name because you all know him. Um, he's got a beard and curly hair up here, and he stands up here every once in a while. But we went to Nashville a couple of weeks ago, and uh, that guy falls asleep in 20 seconds. No joke. You know how I know? Because he snored. <laughs> but he was asleep. I timed it one night because I was just amazed at how fast he was starting to snore. I was like, no, he's pulling my leg and just being like funny. No, he was asleep in 20 seconds. And I was thinking to myself, that is a man who is at perfect peace. Because when I go to bed, all of my thoughts start running through my head. And the whole day and tomorrow runs through my head. And the argument that I'm going to have with that person or the conversation, I should say, that I'm going to have with that person is going through my head. And I've figured that out. And I'm up until 2 in the morning tossing and turning thinking about all these thoughts. That's not my mind being at perfect peace. That's me trying to fix everything. And me worrying about things. I hope you guys see that there's so much hope in this little baby that was born. He came to give us the opportunity to abide in him. He came to give us the opportunity to trust him with our peace. Here's the thing, Levitical law and all these things, if you guys study Leviticus, I know that everybody loves to study Leviticus because I love to study Leviticus. So, I mean, why wouldn't you guys? Guys, that law is so, look, it works and it does what it needs to do as far as the sacrificial system. It forgives sins, it washes sins, whatever you want to say. It doesn't deal with sins, though, and it's so impersonal even still. You shed some blood, you sprinkle it on, you don't even actually really deal with God. You just kind of confess and all these things, and it's more with the priest, that kind of thing. Guys, we have such a awesome opportunity because Jesus Christ was born to actually go personally, one-on-one, -on -one, with the creator of the universe and enter into what they used to call the Holy of Holies in our own personal time whenever we want to and commune with the God who loves us. 
God doesn't keep us at arm's length. God doesn't hold us back. God loves it when we come and what I refer to as puke on him. But what, by that, what I mean is here's my problem, and here's my problem, and here's my problem, and here's my problem, and it's just, <laughs> like, it's just that idea of just, I'm going to vomit on you, and here you go. And God takes it, and he's able to deal with it. Praise Jesus for that. Here's the thing. How do we abide? And I think that that's an important question. We're going to try and move quickly through this because I still want to, um, there's still a couple other things that I want to get to. How do I abide? And, and we had this conversation, if you guys took the life group leadership class, which I think there's like three of you that did, um, we talked about this, about how to abide in the Lord. And, and we came up with this, this idea of three things that should be happening daily, as often as possible, that really mean that you're, you're making the effort to abide in the Lord. And the first one is to read or study Scripture. Being in the Word of God. If you want to know the shepherd's voice, you need to hang out with the shepherd. So we should be in the Word of God. The next is praying with Him. So not just reading, but actually having the conversation, having the, the puke time to, <laughs> to talk to Him. Okay? And then finally, worshiping. We should be doing these three things every day if we really want to have a good relationship with the Lord. And I know that all of you guys are definitely perfect at all of these things, so I'm just preaching to the choir right now, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. But when we give our life to the one who we call God, he is able to give us the peace. He is able to allow us to dwell in his shadow. We aren't going outside of his will. A person that's doing these three things will never have the question, am I in the will of God? Because guess what? You are resting in the Lord. You are abiding in the Lord. He is worth more than five minutes of my time at the end of the day. God is worth a whole lot more than for me to just throw up a flare prayer at the beginning or end of my day of like, God, this really sucked today. It was a really rough day. Hope you do better next time. Like, God is worth more than that. He is worthy of more than that. And so, spend time with the Lord. No, I don't have time. Make time. We should not be afraid, as the, as the uh, getting back to Luke, as the shepherds were out in the field, all of a sudden this angel appears before them, and there's a lot of reasons why people believe it was the shepherds and all these other things. Great, fine, whatever. The angel pops up in the sky, and anybody would start freaking out. Okay, not just shepherds. <laughs> Rich men, poor men, wise men, dumb men would be freaking out at that. But the first words out of the angel's mouth are what? Do not be afraid. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Um, he says, I, I bring you tidings of comfort and joy. We should be filled with that joy, understanding that we have a Savior. We have a Savior who loves us so much more than we can even fathom. He cannot protect us. Just like if you're a parent in this room, you understand you can't protect your kids from all of the dangers in this world. You can't protect them from everything that this world has to offer. You can do your best and you can train them up and all those things. God is the same way. And he, not only that, he's a gentleman and he lets us make our own decision. 
I love hearing people that are like, I don't understand why God doesn't bless me. Well, okay, what's your life like? Well, I, I do whatever I want and I go to church on Sundays. Okay, there might be a reason why God isn't very present in your opinion. It's because you aren't making him part of your heart. You aren't making him part of your life. And he's not going to put you in a half Nelson and say, say uncle, and make you do something. Following him is completely up to us. Regardless of what country we live in, regardless of where we're at in our life, regardless of what's happening on that given Tuesday, God is there for us. And he gives us peace. And here's the thing, he gives us peace, but it just might not look the way we want it to look. The situation might not be resolved the way we want it to, but we have peace if we really are abiding in him. So we need to take time to slow down and realize what peace really means. Peace is knowing that you cannot be pulled from God's hand, Romans 8.39. Peace is knowing that God loves you more than anything else in this world, John 3.16. Peace is knowing that when the day comes to take your last breath on earth, you're taking your first breath in heaven. That's true peace. Anything outside of that, guys, is just whipped cream. It's just good, good that it happened. It's great. It's positive. But guys, having peace means that knowing you can kill me and that's just going to make me happier. Because I will be in the presence of the Lord. And that is my goal in this life. That is what I strive for, is to be in his presence. The only thing, the only difference right now is that I'm doing it here in this fleshly body that's super gross and fat and it's dying and, and all these things. Like, this is a tent. This is a temporary dwelling place. And guys, I am going to have a perfected body someday, and I don't know what it's going to look like. It might look like what you see before you today. I really hope not. Because looking at this for eternity, get really old. But guys, my perfected body isn't even what I strive for. I strive for knowing the one who I am going to wake up in his presence someday and get to glorify him for eternity. All of these things are possible because Jesus Christ was born, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and raised to life again. We look back to Jesus' birth during Advent, and we ponder, why would he do this? There were, there's probably four million different ways God could have chosen to save us. But this is why he did it, and I think it's because he wants to know what we go through. I mean, he already does know what we go through, but he wants to have the ability to say, I've been there. I know what you're going through. But guess what? It'll all be okay. Why did Jesus come? And, and too easily we say it was to die on a cross for our sins. He came to offer us peace. He came to offer us reconciliation to the God who we were separated from. And praise Jesus that he did. We get the peace of mind, but we also have, to go back to the idea of Romans 5, we have that peace. At, we're, not, we're no longer at war 
with God anymore. We're no longer against him and striving against him and working against him, but we're actually trying to work with him and on his team. Because of that baby being born, we were given the chance to no longer be at war with God and to allow him to be in control of our lives. If God is God, then he is in control of your life. That's the way it is. It's not like, oh, well, I'm trying to let him be. No, if God is God, then he is. If God is God, if he is Lord, then you obey everything that he says. And guys, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not saying that you should be perfect at it. What I'm saying is that's what it means to actually have God be God. It means that in the rough times, in the times where we're in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the suffering, all of those things, that we can still look at God and say, you are in control of this. I trust you to get me through this one too. And even if you don't, then I'll see you on the other side. And I'll see you in heaven. That's our peace. That's our hope. And I, I don't want it to seem like I'm up here saying this just flippantly. Um, and so understand that I go through things too. Pastor Rob goes through things as well. We have lives. I don't know if that shocks you guys. Um, but we have lives outside of this building. And in life, it's kind of like babies. Diapers get messy. Life gets messy. And sometimes life is really hard. And sometimes there are days when I don't want to wake up and get out of bed. And I don't understand what God is taking me through. And I don't understand why the pain is there. And I don't understand why why this has to happen and why he's choosing this moment to bring me through something like this. I don't understand all of that. But I can say that God is good. I can say that I trust him to bring me through. I can say that there is light at the end of every tunnel, even if it's the light of heaven that you want to walk towards. And guys, I haven't gone that far yet. I have not suffered unto death as Paul talks about it. I have not shed blood because of my faith in Jesus Christ yet. Will that day come? I hope not. I don't want to be a martyr. Just, I'd like to live my life in peace. But if that day does come, I can say that God is still good and I still trust him. My favorite song of all time, people will ask me like, what, what song do you like in Christian world? Outside of the Christian world, inside of the Christian world, Regardless of what it is, my favorite song is It Is Well With My Soul. And it, people remake it all the time, and I hate all the remakes. Just do it with an organ and old-timey hymn, please. I love this song. And I want to read this song to you guys, and I'm just going to read the stanzas. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. Like, um, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to do that to you guys. But I would ask that you guys would be meditative on these words. Whether that means you close your eyes and think about it or whatever, I just really want you to dwell on the words of this song. And there's an extra verse that I, uh, uh, I found the other night, and I had no idea it was part of the original song, and I think that it's actually quite good. Um, but I'll, I'll read that one last. But here's the four verses that we know and then an extra one. It was written by a guy named Horatio Spafford, by the way. Super awesome name, Horatio um, but he was writing this after his son had died in the Great Chicago Fire and he lost everything. 
in that fire. He was a landowner and stuff, and he lost it all. And so he was sending his wife and two daughters back to England. They were moving back to England, and their ship got in a shipwreck, and his two daughters died. So he lost three of his kids. His wife made it, sent him a telegram from England that essentially said, I alone survived. That's all she wrote. And so he was going through a lot, and he wrote this song. And it says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, the Lord shall descend, even so, it is well with my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pang shall be mine, for in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. Where are you at? Do you have peace? Are you going through a storm right now and you can't see the light? Are you questioning why, God? Why am I going through this? I can offer you nothing except for saying that Jesus understands what you're going through and wants to take it off of your shoulders. He weeps with us, guys. He is there with us. He's holding on to us. And he hates that sin entered into this world and corrupted what was supposed to be a beautiful relationship with him. He hates that, but he does not hate you. He does not want to see you going through this. He does not want you to experience this pain. He wants to take it from you. So let him take it from you. Just let him have it. Allow him to be God in your life. There's a benediction that I really like. And it's from Numbers um, chapter 6. And I'm going to just leave you with this. So if you guys want to bow your head, you can. This is going to be the prayer and then we're going to worship. And uh, the prayer team will be up front if you'd like to pray after the service. Numbers 6, 24 through 26 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.